Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. I kind of wish I still did numbered episodes. I stopped because the other day somebody said, how many episodes have you done? I said, man, I don't know. Well over 1,100, but who's counting? Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. I've already told you who I am. Haven't I? <laughs> I can't remember. Reminds me of a line from a Hudson and Landry comedy record. Operator, would you trace this call and tell me where I am? Well, I know where I am. I'm in the Yellow Studio. I don't know where you are. But sometimes I can't forget who I am. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. My name is Randy Kentra. I'm glad you're here. May the 5th, 2022. In two days, I will officially be an old man. too late that ship sailed i'm already an old man i hope you're doing well i can't complain a lot going on i was i was looking through the notes the drafts if you please i've already told you that i'm that guy i'm always i'm always writing i'm always kind of noodling around ideas and looking at things and some of the things that I'm working on, uh, one of the things I've been working on the longest, well, I probably shouldn't say that except I just did. I could edit it, but I'm not going to cause you know, I don't do that. Lessons learned too soon. Lessons learned too soon. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm ever going to finish that. And all I'm doing is just kind of writing bullet points. Do you care? You care how I go about this craft? Is it curious to you at all? Occasionally people ask. Mostly people ask about kind of the technology and stuff. It still is amazing to me that people act like this is magic, this whole podcasting thing. And it's not. Been doing it for a long, long time. I did try to go back and look through all of the archives of this podcast and how many episodes? Because somebody had asked me the other day, well, how many episodes do you think you've done in Leading Toward Wisdom? I'm like, man, I have no idea. I used to begin with a number, and I got to, I think I got to iteration four or five. I'm not real, I can't remember. Let's look and see if I can find out. And I would number them, but the four or the 500 or 5,000 was the iteration. Uh, I got to, I did that in 2019. In 2019, I was doing, the iteration was a five. No, I'm sorry, it was a four. So in other words, the episodes would be like 4,001. Well, it wasn't because I had 4,000 episodes. It was because that was the fourth, at least the fourth iteration of the podcast. And then I dropped that and beginning in 2020, 
as far as me saving the files to my hard drives, I just went with the year and then a number. So in 2020, there was episode one, but it was episode one of year 2020. So the numbering has just gotten all discombobulated through the years. This episode, for instance, is technically episode 20 of year 2022. But I went back and looked, and yeah, there's over a 1,000. No, they're not all online. In fact, most of them are not online. I think, currently, I think there are 280 episodes that are online. The rest are just residing over in a hard drive somewhere. But now you know. Now you know. It's, it's well over a 1,000. In fact, it's over 1,100 episodes. And... I probably I should organize those a little better over on the hard drive. The family can have them. I'm I'm not leaving them online. Like I said, I think there's 200 and some odd that are online right now, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I was laughing with my uh, my son the other day. I don't know how we were. There was a conversation amongst a few of us talking about death, and and it wasn't a morbid kind of a conversation, and. I made the remark that I think I've made to you before, but I'm not sure if I have. And if, if I'm repeating myself, well, Hey, I'm old, old people tend to do that. And I said, you know, what I most want is I want Rhonda to like come to church on a Sunday morning and people go, well, where's Randy? And she says, Oh, well, we buried him Thursday. Cause nobody knows. I'd like, I'd like for it to be that kind of a surprise. I think uh, there's just something about that that makes me smile. I don't know how I got off on that. Uh, today, I, I don't know. I, we'll see where this goes. I, I was making a comment about trying to get better and trying to help people get better. And somebody brought up the disc profile. And I thought, well, I haven't taken the disc profile in forever. So let's just take this thing and let's just, I don't know, let's, let's see what it produces. I'm rather fond of these kinds of assessments. I, I don't, I don't say that they are have empirical truth, but I think they're helpful in the process. And so here's what mine is today. Now I can promise you that this has changed. I'm almost certain that it changes somewhat over the course of time, especially you know because we get older and things do change. So no big shock to me that the number one attribute is steadiness at 35%. The second one is influence at 28%. The third one is dominance at 23%. And the last one is compliance at 14%. So steadiness influence, dominance, compliance. That's mine. S I D C. Uh, dominance describes the way that you deal with problems. You assert yourself control situations. 23% for me. Influence describes the way you deal with people, the way you communicate, the way you relate to other people. 28% for me. 
Steadiness describes your temperament, patience, persistence, thoughtfulness. That's the number one for me at 35%. Compliance describes how you approach and organize your activity, procedures, and responsibilities, and mine is 14%. (laughs) Here's the highlighted thing. Your natural supportive listening and empathetic behavior makes you a good coach. Well, tell me, tell me something I don't know. It's, it's the reason I, it's the reason I kind of went pot committed on all this. Now there used to be, and I don't know if it still exists. Something tells me that, that this may have gone by the wayside because I found a couple of things where it, it looked like it had been discontinued, but I'm not sure there was, and this has been over a decade ago when I had had way more familiarity with the disc profile than I do now a team kind of a dimension thing where you could kind of figure out, okay, who is what? So we can kind of assemble a team, uh, sounded like a good concept. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I ever practiced it. I didn't, but there were, there were kind of four particular traits or roles, if you please, creator, creator focuses on possibilities. They enjoy creativity, fresh concepts, abstract thinking. They thrive on innovation, the creator. Then was the advancer. The advancer focuses on interaction. They enjoy the communication, enthusiasm, moving things forward, the advancer. Then there's the refiner. The refiner focuses on analysis. They enjoy logical, critical thinking and developing a systematic approach. There is the executor. They focus on the realities. They enjoy putting ideas into action, real organized, real structured, real detail oriented. Uh, there's other roles. There's the fifth role of a flexor. Flexor is somebody that uh, they're just always energized by different roles at different times. And so they can kind of step in and fill whatever role might be needed uh, in the moment. And it seems to me, in my experience with those types of people, they may not necessarily want to be pigeonholed into one over a long period of time. They can kind of fill in for a short period of time and, and fulfill any of them. Uh, and they kind of like that, that whole moving around thing. I do remember, and I'm sitting here kind of reviewing some things that I looked at online, that the team aspect of this disc profile kind of focused on ability, the thing that we do well, and then there's our affinity. There's the thing that we enjoy doing. Now, it would be great if, as Sir Ken Robinson once wrote in his book, The Element, it would be great if we could find our element, that is, where our ability, what we do well, and our affinity, as DISC goes by it, what we enjoy doing, where those intersect. Sir Ken called it being in your element where your natural aptitude and your passion intersect. Same kind of a thing. Ability, what we do well. Affinity, what we enjoy doing. I can tell you that there's little doubt, and and that was how this came up. This came up because somebody said, "I, I bet you're a refiner because I'm always looking not at how good something is or how bad something is, but how can it be better? What can we do to make this better? And I've always gravitated to that kind of that point of view. I'm fascinated by all of this because it's interesting to me 
just how different we can all be. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the differences and I'm working really hard. I've, I've always worked a little bit, but I'm working harder the older I get to really try to understand it. How somebody, for instance, can look at something, be perfectly satisfied with it, and it's good enough. I don't suffer from perfectionism. I don't suffer from, as Seth Godin said, you, know, you got to ship it. I'm happy to ship it. It can be good enough to ship it, but that doesn't mean that I want the next shipment to not be better right? I mean, that's how I'm wired, but I know people, I have people in my life that, and eh, that's good enough. And we don't ever need to look at it again. You know, we can ship it just like that. And we'll just keep on shipping it like that. There's no, uh, as Barney Fife would say, there's no compulsion. <laughs> there's no compulsion to get better. And I've, I suffer that. I suffer that greatly. It's like, you know, that it's not that that wasn't very good. It's not that that wasn't good enough. It's not that I look at it and for instance, with a podcast, I don't look at a podcast episode and think, oh man, I shouldn't have hit publish on that. Now there's sometimes I'm disappointed. There's sometimes I'm like, okay, well that, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. There have been some rare times, not many, but there've been some rare times where I thought, ah, I need to just pull that. But I don't, I don't, I'm, I go with it. It's fine. So I don't, I don't get all that hung up in it, which is why I'm not, I'm not so much a perfectionist in the sense that it prevents me from launching or shipping. I am a perfectionist in the sense that I don't want to just be satisfied with that. I don't, okay, we shipped it. It's good. It's over and we're going to ship it again and we're going to ship it again. And we're, we're never going to, we're never going to work on it ever again. We're not going to try to make anything better. It drives me crazy. Had a service person come by today and I suffer from being a retail animal for a long, long time and customer services. I'm just fanatical about it. And <laughs> this repair person was working on my, the freezer section of a built-in refrigerator freezer and just took all the shelves out, just crammed them in the sink willy nilly, scattered them around. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, there's a better way to do this dude, you know, and I'm not a servicer, but I've serviced retail customers and clients for a long, long time. I know what customer service looks like. I know what really good customer service looks like. And I'm sitting here thinking you don't have, I don't say it, but I'm thinking it, you know, you, you don't have, you got no blankets in your truck because I know this business well enough to know I would have every person who is on a truck and in customers homes, number one, they would be uniformed and clean. <laughs> number two, they would leave it cleaner than they found it. Number three, they would have blankets on the floor, padded moving blankets. Nothing touches the floor and no component touches another component. In this case, shelving out of a freezer. You take the shelves out, you lay the blanket down on the floor, you lay a shelf down, you get another shelf, you lay it down. 
where it is not touching another shelf. This is not hard, all right? I mean, this looks this looks orderly. It takes no more time to do it that way than to do it the way. In fact, I would argue it takes less time, and it is much more impressive to the customer. And you resist damage to this thing that you're here to fix it. You're not here to create more damage on the thing. So I'm sitting here and I'm watching that and I'm, and I'm remembering the people that, oh, you know, come on, that's, that's good enough. That get frustrated with my urge to make it better. My urge to let, let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing. I find it fun to do that. I have had to learn through the years that there are people. I happen to be tethered to some, but it's not fun. It is not fun for them to refine. It is not fun for them to look at some methodology to get better. It is not fun for them to go back and review, or as I call it, to autopsy something, to do a post-mortem on something and say, okay, what, what could we have done better there? How could we have done better? They don't enjoy that at all. And I do. I do. So all of these things, you know, are pretty fascinating to me. The differences uh, that exist among us. I think a big challenge is not only for us to have some knowledge about these things and to have an understanding about these things and to have some sense of compassion toward one another about these differences, full well knowing that the way I'm naturally wired may not be the way you are naturally wired, but how can we work together in spite of that? And even more so, how can we work together because of that? Full well knowing that the thing that you bring to the party is the thing I don't bring to the party, but you know what? We kind of need that thing. I think the real problem is our management of our natural default behaviors in frustrating us. I am completely frustrated by the person who, ah, that's good enough. We don't need to work on that anymore. Ever? I mean, we, we really, we don't, we don't want to go back and look and I mean, we, we're not interested in getting better. No, it's good enough. It's good enough. I mean, come on, look at how good we are. Look at how, look at the success we're having. And it's like, yeah, but what if there's some unrealized success that we, we haven't even achieved yet? Ah, you know, nice. <laughs> and I'm sitting here, you know, just chomping at the bit. Like I, I, I don't get, I don't get this. I, I really, I, I don't get this. The big difficulty for me is, is understanding how somebody can not have that motivation and not enjoy that process of wanting to get better because I, I have, I do not have the capacity personality wise. I just don't have the capacity to look at something and think it it's, it's plenty good. We, we don't need to work on it at all. I, I, like I said, I'm not paralyzed with this when it comes to, okay, there's a presentation. You got to give this presentation in two days. Okay, great. We work on it. We work on it. We refine it. We give the presentation. I'm not going to be paralyzed to the point that I can't deliver the presentation. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be willing to go and look back at it and think, uh, you know, if I had it to do over, I'm not going to regret, but I'm going to look at it. If I have an opportunity to give that same presentation again, 
here's what I know I would do differently. Here's what I know I would try to do better. I can't just, yep, I delivered it, turn the page, it's over, done. (laughs) I've, I just can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. Can you? What are some things like this that absolutely just frustrate the snot out of you that, you know, your natural default is so one way and somebody else in your life, theirs is not that way. And it pains you. (laughs) What do you do about it? How do you handle that? You know, there is so much conflict and there is so much unrest and there's so much frustration i think because of these kinds of things because it's difficult for us to give enough latitude to one another when some of these differences are just so ingrained in who we are i could no more i could no more just ride off into the sunset completely satisfied never having to go back and look at it never reviewing it never thinking okay could it have been better Now I realize that the other person who's not wired that way looks at it and I know what they're thinking because oftentimes they will tell me leave well enough alone. It's over. It's done. If it's a one off, I have a much easier time doing that. But when we're talking about something, say like a podcast and you know that, okay, we're going to continue to record these where it's not just a one episode and we're finished. I mean, would that it were, I mean, but don't we want to get better? Yeah, we want to get better, but ah, it's, you know, we're, we're already good. Well, I'm not arguing if we're already good, already being good is not for me. The issue, can we be better is the question. And my answer is always, 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 always going to be, of course, of course we can get better. Do we need to get a whole lot better? I don't know. Maybe. But for me, that's not the issue. The issue is just, can we get better? Big or small, incrementally or a huge quantum leap forward. I I love quantum leaps. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm perfectly content with some incremental improvement. I also understand that some people can look at that and can think, well, never happy, never satisfied. It doesn't feel that way to me. For me, it doesn't, it doesn't feel To me, there's a difference in dissatisfaction and what I mostly pursue. Dissatisfaction is I'm not happy with that. In fact, I'm so unhappy with that. We're not going to do it until we get it better. See, I'm not vexed with a whole bunch of that. I'm not saying it never happens, but it's, it's not the way I live my life. For me, it's looking and it's thinking, a, a potential it, and, and somebody told me not long ago, you know, they were, we were talking about being competitive and they likened it to being competitive. And maybe that's the case. I certainly am competitive. I, I make no bones about it and I won't make any apologies for it either. I'm competitive when it comes to all kinds of things, but when it comes to what we're talking about today, that competition is against some ideal Admittedly, it is some ideal that I have in my head. Now, the ideal that I may have in my head is not a fixed, permanent, kind of a final thing. Uh, For instance, I can look back at this podcast episode 
Well, I can already tell you, I'm going to have all kinds of, <laughs> I'm going to second guess it eight ways to Sunday after it's done in the sense of, well, I could have done this better. I could have left that out. I could have been more organized. I could have whatever, but that's not going to prevent me from hitting publish. And I'm not going to have regret. I'm not going to look back and wish that I hadn't published it because I just don't live like that. If the regret, if the regret happened, I wouldn't publish it. And then nobody would know about it. No regret. (laughs) Right? So that's not it. It's this ideal of, can it be better? How much better can it be? And so it's this never ending story. There's no question because there is no end. I mean, when you're pursuing improvement and growth, I don't know how there can be an end other than death. It's over. I mean, (laughs) no more attempts to get it better now. So give it everything you got. It's just interesting. It's just interesting stuff to me. I, I have hit this much. I have figured out. And I guess for today, here's kind of the, here's the lead that I've buried. Not quite, but it's that frustration. It's whether you're a creator, an advancer, a refiner, or an executor. And again, we're talking about disc profile based stuff and it could be anything, right? I mean, it could be any number of, it could be the Myers-Briggs. Uh, it could be, you know, is dominance your thing? Is influence your thing? Is steadiness mostly your thing? Is compliance mostly your thing? Or are there, are there, for most of us, there are two or three that are pretty close together. And for me, steadiness, influence, and dominance are kind of all birds of a feather. You know, they just are what they are. And it's kind of our natural wiring. I do have a natural tendency to be supportive, to listen, to be empathetic, to ask good questions. And according to this profile, I'm actually for a good coach and it's why I do coaching. I also do coaching because it is the intersection between my ability and my affinity. I love it. I love it. It gives me energy. It gives me energy to be that safe person that others can rely on and depend on and talk to and confide in and keeping a secret not difficult for me. I've got friends and it's incredibly difficult for them to keep a secret. I mean, if they know it, they have to tell it. I don't, I I just, I, I can't explain it. It's just how I'm wired. I've told you before when it comes to character strengths, forgiveness, always, 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 always tops the chart. And I have a difficult time understanding people that find it so ridiculously hard to forgive. I don't, but I've also gone on record and said, as easy as it is for me to forgive you, I have an enormously hard time forgiving myself, especially in acts of stupidity or selfishness or impulsiveness, you know, things that I absolutely know I could have prevented but I was just, I was an idiot in the moment and I didn't. And I can just, I can feel horrible for days. These differences that make us the unique people that we are. And we haven't even touched on communication. The differences in the way that we communicate and the way we most enjoy communicating 
and our default behaviors. I do believe that it kind of comes down to can we manage our frustrations over our differences? And I freely admit it's super hard. It is super hard because we have this worldview and we have this view of how we fit in the world. And we've got these default behaviors that just come naturally to us. They just, it's the way we gravitate because it's how we see things and we interact with somebody else and they don't see it that way at all. They don't see themselves the way we see ourselves and they don't see themselves the way we see them. And we're like, you know, I mean, how can they not want to improve? How can they not want to, I have had, I've sat down in business meetings where we kind of autopsy something, right? Okay. So maybe we held an event, maybe we had a sale and okay, let's look back and let's analyze what we did and let's analyze the results we got and let's figure out because it's not going to be the last time we have a sale. So the next time we have a promotion, the next time, what would we do different? Now that we know what we know based on this last experience, what would we do different? And I've seen people, I have watched people's body language. I've watched their facial expressions in some of those kinds of meetings. And I've seen the frustration of just the exercise, just the mere exercise of going through it. And I've heard people, people have even sometimes piped up and talked about how, you know, they just, what they expected was, you know, this hip, hip, hooray party. And it's not like, well, let's not celebrate the success. If indeed by whatever definition we had some success, that's not it. I'm not, I'm not the guy trying to throw cold water on the parade, but I also realize that there are some people who can view the mere act of an autopsy as I'm describing it as throwing cold water on it as you know, well, you're raining on our parade. You know, we just, we just wanted to throw a bunch of confetti in the air and feel good about ourselves. And I'm happy to do that, but <laughs> I just don't want to spend a whole lot of time doing it because I just, number one, I don't find it profitable. And number two, this is the bigger issue. I don't find, I don't even find it that enjoyable. It's just not that it's just not that much fun. I've had to learn though, that other people do find that fun. I mean, you do realize that there are people out there who grew up in the whole participation trophy era and, and they love it and they're happy to celebrate the, the sheer participation of it. I don't come from that generation and you're not going to be able to give me a participation trophy. I'm not going to accept it. I just, I don't want it. It's like, it's completely worthless to me, but I also understand that to them, it's not worthless at all. It's very, very meaningful. How can we manage all that? I'm asking. I don't have an answer. If you're waiting on me to answer, well, you're <laughs> good luck. I wish I had an answer. I do think that that's the quandary though. I do think that that's the question worth asking and pondering is our ability to communicate so clearly, so candidly with one another in hopes that we can share some knowledge and we can work toward understanding and frankly work toward compassion so that we can kind of at least get each other better and then give whatever latitude we can. But the quandary remains, how are we going to find common ground here? Let's say you and I are doing a podcast together and you're, 
you're happy as a clam and I'm not. And I'm thinking we can do a whole lot better. We can do a whole lot better. And I genuinely believe it, but you genuinely don't. You genuinely think it's great. It's, it's perfectly good. Look at the success we're having. (laughs) How do we find common ground there? How do we resolve that? It's not so much a conflict, although kind of, sorta, it's not tension. It's just a different way of seeing things. And if one of us acquiesces, then we could likely be really unhappy and, and dissatisfied. If we're not willing to put in any effort to make the podcast better, if you and I are doing a podcast together and you don't want to give it any effort at all, and I want to lean hard into make let's make this thing better. One of us is one of us is not going to be real happy. So question, how can we both reach some degree? I'm not saying a hundred percent, but how can we both work to reach some degree of contentment? Let's forget happiness because that's fleeting. But how can we reach some degree of contentment where, okay, we're putting in some effort. Maybe we're not giving it, you know, as much effort as I would if left to my own devices. But, you know, you don't want to frustrate your partner. If you're in marriage, many of us are, we have these same dynamics going on in our marriages. You want to do one thing, she may prefer something else and it's okay well how how are we gonna what are we gonna do here well you and i both know the words compromise and i know we hate that word but what can we surrender what can we give up what is an absolute we 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 must have it this certain way or it's going to drive us absolutely out of our mind and for the other person same thing The only answer I've got, I don't have any answers, as I said before. The only answer I do have is, is the belief based on my experience that we've just got to communicate it. We've just, and I think for many of us, it's not an unwillingness to communicate. It's, it's an inability to articulate it just quite right. Because we're living inside our head and we're looking through our eyes and we're listening with our ears and we just know what we know and we feel what we feel. But now we've got to, we've got to put language to that to try to help somebody else understand what just comes naturally for us. That is not hard. I mean, that is hard. That is not easy. That is incredibly difficult. And I think the more we do it, based on my experiences, which are not empirical truth. It's just one man's opinion, one man's observations. The more we do that, the more we try to do that, the better we get at it. And maybe, just maybe, if we'll give enough consideration during the early phases of that communication process, we'll work toward getting better at it. See, there's the refiner in me. We'll just work at getting a little bit better at it over time. All of us, both of us, however many people are involved in this thing. And we'll at least be able to better understand one another. I don't know. It's just a theory. But it boils down to our role in this thing, where we fit, how we fit, how we see ourselves fitting, 
And I do think I agree with the whole disc thing that it, it does boil down to our ability, what we do well and our affinity, what we enjoy doing. you found any type of an assessment or a profile that strikes your fancy i'd be curious what your own self-discovery journey has looked like what have you done to try to figure yourself out better and in doing that work how have you found it helpful so that you can possibly better understand other people too. I'm not advocating the disc profile or Myers-Briggs or strength finders or VS character survey or, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of any and all of them. You're doing something. I know you are. The reason I know that is because you're listening to a podcast called Leaning Toward Wisdom. And if you were not interested in improvement, you would not be listening to this podcast. That's the good thing about podcasts. Birds of a feather flock together and all that. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.